I want to continue with my series, Christ in a Book of Acts, or on the traces of Paul and Barnabas, their way where they were, went and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I know it was not easy for them to go and preach the gospel because they had all sorts of hindrances and things against them. People came against them, but the Lord was with them. Hallelujah. And I also want to say for our group of people who are going in February, perhaps end of February, whenever it will be, to the Philippines, the Lord will bless you and give you blessings that people might get to know Jesus Christ and it might become born again. It is not just that we would go there and um, uh, say something. No, there should be an impact in people's life. And wherever the gospel is going to be preached, there will be an impact. Either people will come to Jesus or others will reject Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is always a challenge into our lives. And I want to read from Acts chapter 14, the verses, verse 1 down to 20. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both of Jews and Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. This is a very important sentence. We do rely upon the Lord. And I also want to say for those who are going soon to the Philippines, don't rely on your own strength. Rely upon the Lord. And the Lord confirmed his word in a wonderful way here. And I pray that the Lord will confirm the word of God that is going to preach also in your ministry. Okay? They were boldly speaking with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of this grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made, by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them. That's a thing the apostle had to put up as well. That they were stoned and persecuted in a bad way. But we continue. They became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derby, and the surrounding region. 
And there they continued to preach the gospel. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And he began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates and wanted to sacrifice with the people, with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Man! Why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these things, from these vain things, and turn to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone, by, his, by he permitted all the nations to go their own way. And they had, and he had not left himself yes. without witness, in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with food and gladness, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowd, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away and Barnabas to Derby. So far, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful word. And we thank you also, Lord, for this report Luke wrote to us that we can trace the way of the apostles as they went out and preached the gospel according to what you said to them. That it should go and preach the gospel, Lord, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we thank the Lord through the apostles and those who went into the ministry of preaching the word of God 
The gospel came also to Europe and here to Australia. And here we are preaching the wonderful word of God. I pray, Lord, give grace to speak your word. Give grace, O Lord, to listen to your word. And give, give grace to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Now there was something going on. At first when the apostles were preaching in Antioch, remember this Antioch is not the Antioch they were sent out from. It was an Antioch in Galatia. So, and we see here, they actually were preaching there and after the preaching, after the sermon, many of the Gentiles came to the apostle Paul and Barnabas. Can we hear more of it? That's what every pastor likes, isn't it? That's what every pastor likes. He doesn't say, well, no, no, I preached enough, now I leave it up to you. No, they ordered a second meeting and there's blessings in a church if people are getting hungry after the word and we have to organize more meetings, second meetings. Hallelujah. And on the next Saturday, they came together again. And this next Saturday, the synagogue was chock-a-block full. Half of the city, the people came. They wanted to know what is it about these two men, Paul and Barnabas. What are they going to preach? And they came and listened to the word of God. There was a real hunger after the word of God. And it's so important that also we might get a hunger after the word of God. I know a good friend of mine, when he was a young man, he gave his life to the Lord. He was so eager for the word of God. And the whole night he took the Bible and read through the whole night the Bible. That's the best literature you, you can read. The whole night. And he was rejoicing because he didn't have any idea. He was very much into football or foosball. That's what we Germans say. Soccer. And so he was a rough nut before. But in that evening he gave his life to the Lord. And he had enough from all these things of the world. And he was eager after the word of God. Have you ever read the whole night through the word of God, the Bible? He did it. He was so on fire for the Lord. He couldn't get enough of it. And he became a good friend of mine, a pastor friend with whom I spent many nights on our knees praying through the whole night. Hallelujah. There is power in our lives when we pray and seek the Lord. That's why I, I invite everybody, come to our prayer meetings. Don't get lax in any way. You need it. You need it. You need that prayer and the Lord will bless you and give you strength. Hallelujah. Now we see here that actually they had opposition and Paul said in Acts chapter 13, the verse 46. 
Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. He addressed it to the Jews. Spoken first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, what did they do? In verse uh, 49, of, yes, 48 rather. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. The Gentiles said, well, that is wonderful. They are turning now to the Gentiles, to those who never ever heard the word of God. And when they heard, well, this word is specially being brought to us. And these Gentiles had no idea about the living God. And here Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Paul, they came and preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, and we read also, that when they have spoken these things, actually Paul and Barnabas, they shook off their feet the dust, of this place. And they said, Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And as I said, the Gentiles were rejoicing. Paul and Barnabas did as Jesus said, If they don't receive you in a city, don't linger around, but you go, shook or shake off the dust from your feet and go to another place. And that's what they did, and they went to another place. Now they came to Iconia, and when they preached there, and Barnabas and Paul, they spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and Greeks. So they came to another place, and they preached the word of God, and many, many believed. What does that mean when we say many believed? They put their hearts behind and said, I want this Jesus in my life. And they believed in Jesus Christ, gave their life to Jesus, and they were people born again. Whenever you see a victory, and that's what they had, a wonderful victory. Many people came to Jesus. I tell you what, opposition will be there very, very soon. It's just a normal thing. People say, well, if you follow Jesus, we have got so many, many difficulties. Now the difficulties in your life, believe it, is a sign for that, that you are right with God. Because there's somebody else in this world, and the Bible calls him Satan. 
the devil. And he realizes as well, if you walk with Jesus 100%, you will have opposition. It is not just like that. Since you gave your life to Jesus, you don't wake up like Alice in Wonderland. I'm sorry, Sister Alice. Alison, yeah. You don't wake up and think, everything, everything is going well now. I've become a Christian. But now you see there's difficulties. And they had difficulties. And these difficulties in our lives make us strong to cling to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If the devil would know that the troubles we are going through would cause us to cling closer to Jesus, he would stop persecuting the Christians, wouldn't he? But he is stupid. He doesn't know that. He thinks he still has a right and he thinks he still can win. He will never, ever win. Hallelujah. Jesus has won the victory there on the cross. And now what happened? Disbelieving the Jews, they came back and stirred the people up and said, well, uh, this is, I, I think, don't believe Paul and Barnabas. Don't believe them. And it wouldn't last anyway. It wouldn't last anyway. I tell you what, my commitment to Jesus is that it's not my what I earned or what I've done. It's because of God. Has lasted since my 13th year of life, when I was 13 years old. Anybody 13 years old? No? When I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. And up to my age now, I don't have to tell you how old I am now. You know that, don't you? It has lasted because of Jesus Christ. Not because of my goodwill. No, because of Jesus. And I must tell you something as well. I have been spoiled by Jesus. You know what I mean? Jesus has been so good to me. I don't want anything else. I remember years and years ago, we had an employee and I witnessed to him and I said to him, you need Jesus Christ as well. And I said, Werner, I wish only once, I wish, I wish you would come with me for one night to a nightclub. I would come to church too. And I said in my heart, no deals. We don't make any deals with the devil, do we? No, we don't do any deals because why didn't I go there? Why didn't I say, I want to come with you? Then I had a chance that he might have come to church, but the whole deal would fall through because the Spirit of God would not be in it. Amen? Don't make any deal where the Spirit of God is not in it. And later on, I said, I am spoiled by Jesus the things that I experience in Jesus Christ and in a relationship with the Lord are far, 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 far greater than any nightclub stuff or whatever it is. Far, far greater. Amen? I hope you have been spoiled by Jesus as well. 
that joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful? And here in the front, we have got two wonderful ladies, and they are beaming at me. I can see the joy is in the heart. Have you been spoiled by Jesus too? Yes. The Lord is good. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Now, we see the apostles were keep preaching. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment from Patrick Sukedo. And this is a man who is, I think he is the um, um, leader of um, Barnabas Fund. And he wrote a book, and very interesting. And I didn't know that. In this book, the title is Islamic Terrorism. Now, Islam was spread since the 6th century AD. And it happened mainly through jihad. You know what jihad is? Jihad is the way the Muslims spread their Islam teaching. And it is the sword. And so they have overcome countries, the Arabian countries, the African countries, and even the Asian countries. Last time, my dear brother Colm and I, when we were in the Philippines, was just about that time. Then the Hadiths came, or Jihadis came, and started to land on the island where we were. And that was there. And they were fighting. They were trying to fill this people with Islam, the teaching of Islam. They didn't have a big tent and great meetings and preaching salvation in Islam. Why not? There is no salvation in Islam. They're missing very important ingredients. Which ingredients do they miss? The first ingredient of salvation is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? And that's what our dear brother read this morning before we had our communion. Jesus Christ. And the Muslims, they are proud and say, God has got no son. That's true. Allah has no son. And that's true. And because Allah has no son, that's why there is no salvation, because salvation is in no one else than in the Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. They don't have Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's important. Remember, Islam has no evangelists. Some people think, well, when you go in a city, you can see a group of Islamic people around, or Muslims, and they are handing out uh, literatures about Islam and so on. And you could think, well, these are Islamic evangelists. No, 
There are no Islamic evangelists. Why not? There is no gospel at all. There is no gospel. And I'm going to give you the proof. Now, what is an evangelist? Where does the word evangelist come from? Anybody knows that? From where? Evangelion. That's the Greek word. Now, we're going to read Mark 1.14. Mark 1.14. After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? The gospel of God. Jesus was preaching the gospel of God. Now we, as English people, or English speaking people, we only know the word gospel. But if you go around and look into the Greek New Testament, you will find a different word for gospel. And that is the word evangelion. And it says them, to evangelion to Theo, the gospel or of Jesus of God. Now, Dr. Martin Luther, you know, he was a German. And we as Germans, we have not the word gospel. We have the word, and Luther took the Greek word and he Germanized it in order that it makes sense in German. That's why when we speak about the gospel in Germany, we speak about it, Evangelium. And that's almost like Greek, not quite. Evangelium. And that's what it is. Somebody who has got no Evangelium can't be an evangelist. And that's the gospel, is the Evangelium. And we see here very clearly, it's the Evangelium Gottes. That was German. Sometimes it's good to come to the church. You get for free German lessons. <laughs> the Evangelium Gottes. That's Evangelium Gottes. Now, what is the aftermath of an act of jihad when you try to spread Islam? It's always being spread by force, by war, and so on. Now the aftermath of jihad is death, forced conversions to Islam. Forced conversions to Islam. That's what they call, very clearly, winning people for Islam. Women and children are taken slaves. And those who will not voluntarily submit to Islam have to pay an inferiority tax. In other words, for your whole life, if you live in an Islamic country, you have to pay a tax because the text says to them, you are inferior to us. 
Now tell me, is that a fair system? Is that a fair system? Our politicians should understand what it actually means. They should understand. And as we have freedom to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, they should understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Das Evangelium Jesu Christi is the answer for this country. Amen. Hallelujah. Now very important. What is the aftermath and what was the aftermath of the apostles? They were a long time preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Was there a war? No. Paul never pulled out his gun and said, do you want to believe in Jesus? No. They preached Jesus Christ in such a manner that they, many, many people believed it. And also something wonderful happened. Now in the first place there in Lystra, there was a man and Paul realized him. He was sitting somewhere there and um, he was lame from mother's womb. And he never was able to walk. A similar situation as Peter came to the temple. You remember that, yes? Now, and Paul was preaching and somehow he looked at this man and he understood that he was lame. But he saw also that through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, something changed in his heart. You can see, as a preacher, you can see whether people receive the word of God really or just listen here. You can realize that, that people are either hearing only with their ears or also hearing with the heart. And when Paul put his gaze on this man, intensively he looked at this man and he realized, by the Spirit of God, of course, that this man had faith in his heart to be healed. Isn't it wonderful? And it was this here. As we read, in verse 8, at Lystra a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had faced, uh, fixed his gaze on him and had seen, seen that he had faced to be made well, said with a loud voice, Imagine this meeting. You're sitting there. And this lame man perhaps sitting next to you. And Paul was saying with a loud voice, stand up. And some of this man knew he meant me. Stand upright on your feet. And he, what did he do? He didn't say, give me a hand, please. What does the Bible say there? And he leaped up. That was not high enough. I haven't tried it 
like to the, the Toyota people, you know, they jump up very high. I think it's only a photomontage. And so, but he leaped up and was healed and was walking around. God was in this meeting and by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul could speak these words. And it really happened. Now, that was very interesting. A lame man got healed. When people saw this, all of a sudden they said something. The gods have become men and they called Barnabas Zeus and the Apostle Paul, they called him Hermes because he was the main speaker there. Then. And so, very quickly, they were prepared to bring sacrifice to these two new gods because they called Barnabas, Zeus, and Paul, Hermes. And he wanted to bring sacrifice. And it was like a fire going around. And even to the priest of the temple of Zeus, outside the city, he came already, had a few oxen prepared, and garlands and all that stuff, you know, what, what they do around. And they wanted to come and sacrifice this to the new two gods, to Zeus and Hermes. Now, what did Paul and Barnabas do? They didn't say, well, now finally the penny dropped in them. They understand that we are people of God. No! They didn't want this honor. Man of God don't need honor by man. Amen? Hallelujah. Never ever wait for any, any honor by man. Our honor, who, we who have served the Lord, is going to come one day. What a day it will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. Hallelujah. And all I want to hear of Jesus is this. My good and faithful servant, that's it. That's it. I want to be a good and faithful servant unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Now these people, they were so enthusiastically and they thought, we want to do something good for these two gods. Because the gods have become men and the gods have, to, have come into our midst. They are here. This was just enthusiasm. Enthusiasm doesn't save anyone. It's not good enough just to get excited about Jesus. It's wonderful if Christians are excited about Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope when I preach, I look excited. Don't I? I want to tell you, it is true. The gospel is real. Hallelujah. But by mere excitement and enthusiasm, 
Nobody gets saved, although there was a miracle through God done in this meeting. And we read here verse 15. Read this verse together with me. With me. And saying, man, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. We are nothing special. When you go in the name of Jesus, you are nothing special. We are just simple men. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He didn't say, well, yeah, it's, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Don't worry. God called me as a minister unto the Gentiles. No, no. What he said, we are just people, a man in the same nature as you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They didn't feel like these little gods Fruitcake preachers. You know them? They say, we are little gods. They didn't say that. We are men just like you. Or don't I look like a man? Hopefully I do. We are just men like you. We are nothing special. And he said, and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these very things you are doing now. You understand? These things, they didn't feel pleasant as Herod, or Herod what do it once or has done once, but he didn't get a second chance to do it again. You remember in chapter 12 of Acts, the verses 21, 22, 23, on an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took a seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. The people kept crying out, the voice of a God, and not of a man. So Herod he placed himself in front of the people and made a big speech. And people somehow were amazed about all the glittering things he wore. His robe was glittering with uh, silver uh, threads in it. Of course, his sunshine shone. And he was in such a peril there in front of the people. This is the voice of a God and not of a man. What do you reckon? What had Herod felt there and then? He felt like this. Never ever minister of God and preacher feel like this. Never ever humble yourself before God. Humble yourself. And what happened then when Herod just, I say it, thought perhaps this way. What happened then? An angel of the Lord. 
And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten up by worms and died. Outside such a glorious apparel. Silver threads. The sun shone on it. And there was glittering inside full of worms. It doesn't mean anything if we put nice apparel on our body who is going to die anyway. It's important. What is in this body? Is Christ in you? Or maggots? He was eaten up by maggots and died. Paul and Barnabas, they didn't feel like this. We have done something. The man was running around. He was happy he could walk now. Hallelujah. I believe in miracles that God can change things and that God can heal people. I believe it and I've experienced it in my ministry in many ways. Hallelujah. Now, what did they preach then? They said, Men, why are you doing these things? These things, what they were doing, what does Paul call them? These are vain things. Vain things, in other words, he says here, we are of the same nature as you. And preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things. Mission work is very, very, very important. And those who go on a mission trip, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord give you the anointing of the Spirit of God that whenever you pray for seek sick people, that it might get healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have faith in Jesus. It's very important. The apostle said, well, that's why we are here, that you should turn from these vain things and turn to the living God. Hallelujah. Paul Smith, now listen carefully, he is a brother from Chuck Smith in California. Chuck Smith is a, we, we know who it was, or is, is he still alive? I'm not quite sure. But Chuck Smith was the one who baptized the first ex-hippies in Anaheim in California. His brother, he wrote a book and it's called The New Evangelicalism. In other words, there's somewhere amongst many, many Christians or Christians in America a new twist of the gospel. A new twist. In other words, as when we send out missionaries 
to the heathen countries. What did we expect them to do there? Why did we pray for them? Why did we send money that they can live there and preach the gospel? Not just to make good friends with those. That they would preach the gospel to them. The new idea is this. If a missionary goes to a heathen country and preach, uh, goes there, he should find similarities of their religion with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are none, amen, hallelujah. Wherever you would go, there are none, no similarities of their religion, whatever it might be, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should compare their religion with the Bible and then make friendship and so on. Paul, if he would have had something to do like that from the Lord, he could say, well, there's some similarity. Here they call us. The gods have become men and are amongst us. Exactly that's what happened with Jesus, Paul could have said. And that would have become a horrible, horrible cocktail of syncretism. The gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with any religion in the world. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's why we must preach that it should turn away from the sinful, futile way and come to Jesus Christ. And not just become good friends and perhaps try to erect a hospital and help them. All good, all good, all good. But what does it help if somebody is being healed from anything, from toothache or whatever it might be, I don't know, and still goes to hell because he has not converted to Jesus Christ and hasn't become born again. The day of death is coming and the day of reckoning of every person in this room and in this world is certainly going to come. No matter what religion it was. And that's what Paul says. We have come to preach the gospel to, to you that you should turn from these vain things. We have not come to be good buddies. No, no, no. We preach you turn away from these things and come to get to know Jesus Christ and the living God. And he told them about who the living God is, who made heaven and earth and all the things that are in it. Hallelujah. The gospel of Jesus Christ preached to a Gentile nation must involve turning away from the so far futile ways. There will be a change. God will change the people that they might become born again. Hallelujah. With a little story I want to conclude. 
You know what anthropologists are. Anthropologists. You know what they are. It comes from the Greek word anthropos. That means man. Human, yes. Now these anthropologists, they said, well, you Christians, you sent missionaries into the world. Why do you do that? These people were happy before you came. Let them be as they were. Let them live as they have been living. Why do you send them there? Have you read the Bible? Yes. Yes. And you got it right. That they should become born again. If somebody is not born again, as somebody said, if you're only born once, you will die twice. But if you have been born twice, you will die only once. Does it make sense? It makes sense. Hallelujah. Now, these anthropologists criticize missionaries. Why do you do all these things? Let them be. They were so happy in their jungle. They ran around as they wanted. They didn't have to come on Sunday by the dong of a bell to a makeshift church or whatever. Let them run around. Let them do their things. And there was a South Pacific Island king. And he had such a guy. And he said to him similar things. Now on these South Island king and this kingdom of the people, they were reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Fiji. Fiji has been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I haven't been there. Perhaps the Lord might allow it to me that I might go one day to Fiji. I would love to preach there in Fiji. But I love the Lord with all of the heart. Remember, Karen's or Kara's father. He is here. And if the preaching is done, he says very strong, Hallelujah! Yeah? He has a loud voice. I tell you what, Hallelujah, if somebody is calling Hallelujah in the church, it doesn't disturb me at all. Some people say, well, in church you have to be quiet. You have to be quiet. If the church is quiet, and if I don't hear any hallelujah, encouraged by the Spirit of God, I might fall asleep during preaching. It would be, yeah, it would be boring for me. Hallelujah, yes. Glory to God. We have so much reason. There's a song that recently we played it like. I think it was last Sunday. A thousand reasons. Yes, you young people, you know this song? A thousand reasons. We played it last Sunday and sang it. 
We have thousands and more reasons to praise the Lord for what He has done. Now this so-called anthropologist, he came to this king and he was asking, wasn't it so in a similar way, you know, they have their way to interview people. In other words, um, were you happy before the missionaries came? And he had told him everything and said, but we are so happy when the missionary came and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. Of course, being a modern anthropologist, he had a little bit of a green in his face. But this king said, well, we are happy, and you should be happy too. Why? If we would not have become born again and Christians, you know where you would look at us from? If we would not be born again by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you would look at us from a huge pot, cook pot, with fire underneath. Aren't you glad that we are Christians? Aren't you glad that we are born again? Hallelujah. The gospel changes everything. Whole nations have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I do love the Lord. I do love the Lord. And now we see here, there was again a little bit of opposition. Verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and have won over the crowd. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But, isn't it wonderful if people think they have done, have finished off with us? God puts a but. There's only some butts I don't like. Cigarette butts. But I like this butt here. Amen. Do you like this butt too? But while the disciples stood around him, Paul was lying on the floor. Looked like he's dead. And all the disciples were standing around him. Certainly somewhere there. They started praying. The Bible doesn't say it. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city the next day. And they went away to another place, to the place where they went later on. So, we see here, Opposition is normal. And that's why I feel I'm preaching, especially to our mission group, to the Philippines. Guard yourself in prayer. Guard yourself with the word of God. 
and seek the Lord. And let your hearts be clean from anything that is not of God. That you could say we are just people like you. Maybe different color. But that's all. That's all. We have come to preach the gospel that you should turn from these vain things. Paul and Barnabas, they had the courage to say, these things you're doing right now in the moment, I know these things are in order to honor us, what the Lord has done, we haven't done it. Paul hasn't done it. This man was still running around and happy to walk. We haven't done it. God has done it. And that's wonderful. May the Lord bless you, the Philippine missionaries from King's Way, in a powerful way. Hallelujah. You might have opposition. After every victory, for sure, there will be opposition. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank the Lord for this record. We have read, and Luke wrote it for us, Lord, that we were able to see how Paul and Barnabas were working, and you were there, Lord, and you blessed them. People got saved and came to you. Hallelujah. I thank you for that, Lord. And so I thank you also for this group who's going to the Philippines, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with them, Lord. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.